This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, January 6th. You're listening to WNBF. A Tioga County man has been charged with murder after his mother's body was discovered in her town of Owego home. Authorities say 33-year-old James Cavasse was taken into custody Tuesday afternoon at his mother's residence at 2230 Day Hollow Road. Sheriff's deputies and state troopers were sent to the home of 78-year-old Phyllis Cavasse to check on her welfare. Captain Sean Nalipa of the Tioga County Sheriff's Office said the woman's body was found in a stairwell area near the entrance to the house. Nalipa said James Cavasse was detained after he was discovered upstairs in the residence. An autopsy performed Wednesday at Lord's Hospital in Binghamton determined the cause of Phyllis Cavasse's death was blunt force trauma to the head. Nalipa said investigators discovered a table leg that likely had been used to strike the woman multiple times. He said it's believed she had been killed the previous day. Employees in Broome County's Department of Social Services want steps taken to deal with the ongoing problem caused by dozens of vacant positions. Current and former department workers say there are not enough people to provide necessary services. Broome County Executive Jason Garner on Thursday said there have been big challenges in hiring employees for social services positions and for other departments. During a WMBF News interview, Garner said there had been staffing issues even before COVID. He said the challenge of hiring new people and filling positions is happening not just at DSS, It's really across the board. The county executive acknowledged there are now some serious problems with social services staffing. In December, Broome County's personnel officer advised lawmakers that 82 funded social services positions were vacant. Garner said some positions in the department have been upgraded, although workers said not everyone received raises. He noted the way the civil service system is set up, the upgrades typically favor newer employees compared to those who have already been working through all their steps. New York Assembly members Linda Rosenthal, Joanne Simon, and Karines Reyes proposed the bill to legalize natural psychedelics in New York State. As written, the bill legalizes adult possession and use of certain natural plant or fungus-based hallucinogens, grants certain protections for individuals lawfully using such hallucinogens, removes such hallucinogens from the list of Schedule I controlled substances, and makes related provisions. The legislation would not legalize the sale of the covered natural hallucinogens, but would for possession, cultivation, and exchange of the substances. The bill also stated that naturally occurring psychedelic substances can be beneficial for treating a variety of things, namely pain, anxiety, substance use disorders, and post-traumatic stress disorder. The Broome County Legislature held its organizational session on Thursday evening, where legislators unanimously re-elected 5th District Legislator Daniel J. Reynolds as chairman of the legislature for the 2023-2024 legislature term. Reynolds represents parts of the town of Vestal and was first elected chairman in December of 2015. He was unanimously re-elected chairman for the 2017-2018, 2019-2020, and 2021-2022 terms. Chairman and 5th District Legislator Daniel Reynolds stated, It's an honor to have support of of my colleagues to serve as chairman of the legislator for the next two years. We've worked hard to cut taxes for five consecutive years, removed blight and dangerous properties, focused on public safety and infrastructure while making significant strategic investments in our community. The Broome County Sheriff's Office is currently looking for Phelan J. Nguyen, 
Reagan on an outstanding warrant and asking the residents of Broome County for assistance. He was last known to frequent the Oak Hill Avenue area of the village of Endicott. Anyone with information on his location is asked to contact the Broome County Sheriff's Office. Tips may be submitted electronically using the Broome County Sheriff's Office website or by phone by calling the Broome County Sheriff's Office tip line at 607-778-1196 or Warrants Division at 607-778-2923 or 607-778-2933. New York Attorney General Letitia James is suing the former CEO of the failed cryptocurrency lending platform Celsius Network saying he misled investors. The lawsuit filed Thursday seeks to ban Alex Mashinsky from doing business in the state. James says Mashinsky, a co-founder of Celsius, encouraged investors to put billions of dollars worth of their digital assets in his platform. The lawsuit alleges Mashinsky promised hefty returns and said Celsius was as safe as a bank, but meanwhile was engaging in risky investments and not telling investors when those investments failed. Celsius filed for bankruptcy last year after halting its operations in June. The contours of a deal that could make Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, have begun to emerge. The House returns today to try again to end the stalemate over choosing a new Speaker after days of voting with no conclusion. But glimmers of a deal started to take shape. Party leader Kevin McCarthy is determined to win over enough fellow Republicans. He has offered the conservative holdouts rule changes to give them more power to shape legislation and to boot him from office. But it's still just round one, one of the holdouts said. So far, 11 roll call votes have failed to elect a Speaker. The impasse has left the House unable to fully form and and govern. Members voted to adjourn returning today. The Buffalo Bills have received a much-needed jolt of good news. Coach Sean McDermott and his team found out yesterday that safety DeMar Hamlin has made remarkable progress in his recovery since his heart stopped during Monday night's game. In three days since, the Bills were left emotionally devastated as they watched their teammate collapse on the field in Cincinnati. The team's motto has gone from pray for DeMar to play for DeMar. The test for the Bills now is focusing their attention on returning to the field. They host New England Patriots in their season finale on Sunday. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a chance of showers mainly after 10 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 41 degrees, 50% chance of rain. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 31. Tomorrow, cloudy with a high near 37. Tomorrow night, a chance of flurries between 8 p.m. and 2 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 24 degrees. And Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 37. Sunday night, chance of snow showers after 2 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 27 degrees. Chance of snow 30%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF. WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. Bob Joseph starting off a Friday morning here at News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM 1290 AM. Streaming at WNBF.com. If you have a few thoughts, I have a few phone lines available. Give us a call now at 607-772-1290. Shot of love stepping out of bounds. Every day it's tomorrow, and I never know what things are going to be like. Every day it's tomorrow, and I feel somehow. 
doing our Friday morning dancing here at the WNBF studios. Surrounded by tons and tons of concrete, steel, and glass. Just the way I like it. Radio studio, a microphone, and a telephone. I'm here till noon. It's going to be a very interesting morning, so don't say you weren't warned. Let's get things started first with Nick Tamaris from the Miller Auto Team on the Parkway in Vestal. Nick, the Honda sales manager. Good morning. Happy New Year. How are you? How are you today? I'm doing very well, and you? Pretty good. Seems like the year is off to a delightful start for many of us. Holy moly, what what really nice weather we had last couple days. Today, it's awesome out there. You know, if we could call up the, uh, what, they have a rodent down in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, if we could give him a call and right. uh, advise him that we don't need his services on February right. 2nd, that he can uh, head off to um, wherever he usually, I think he usually stays in um, Montana during the off season so he can go out to um missoula montana and we'll let him know uh, next year if we need him this year i don't yeah. think we need him he's quite the traveler <laughs> <laughs> he's quite the well he's a celebrity so you know what, yes, he is. what phil wants phil gets who knows yeah. he might he might travel from punxsutawney out to missoula in a brand new honda that he could obtain from miller motors on the parkway in vestal how awesome would that be We'll put it, that we'll would put be it. incredible, and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if if it happens that you would receive worldwide media attention. You know, we should try to make that happen. <laughs> we should put him in a the all new 2023 Honda Pilot. We'll put him in the all new Trail Sport, which is gaining rave reviews. It's a fantastic vehicle. We even have, if somebody wants to come in and preview one, we have a 23 brand new all new Pilot here right now. And they even have really cool colors, which I was able to obtain one of them, which is really cool, called Diffuse Sky Pearl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's an awesome vehicle. It's a bluish color. It's got beautiful wheels, beautiful interior. And I think uh, the prognosticator, Punxsutawney Phil, would feel right at home in there. <laughs> I just punched that up on the Internet, and I'm looking at it now. That's uh, that's quite nice. It is. It is. They they. The cool thing with Honda is they redid a couple of vehicles for us this year. We're coming out with the all new Honda Accord, so we do have some. We have a few 22s still left here. So if folks are looking to scoop up a really nice 22 Accord, come on in. Or if you want the all new 23, those will be out very shortly here. Uh, the Pilot, we even have a 22 here left. Uh, or do what Punxsutawney Phil's doing: do a 23 Pilot. <laughs> and the we have new Ridgelines here. And they also came out with the all-new CRV too, and you could do that in a hybrid or gas. And not to be left out, that has even got a really cool color too. They got a really cool color. They call it Canyon River Blue Metallic. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of color. In fact, I it, think I I think I've seen that color before, and I I think as soon as I uh, saw it on on my screen, I said, yeah, that would be that would be appropriate. That would that would look good when I go out to news stories. People would say. Hey, look, I know who that is. 
I, I'm going to have my hands full, so I got to get you in a car, and I got to get Punk County filling. I was say, you're going to be busy. Why don't Why don't we wait till I don't know? Maybe are you going to work tomorrow, or you, do you, Do you have Saturday off? This oh, weekend? If, if it's a car sale, I'll be here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll make an appointment. You'll see me drive up with a, a, a little a little rodent in a cage. Not that he's. He, he is car trained, but I think I think uh, New York State law requires him to to be in the back seat in his little cage, and then we we right. we saunter in around midday tomorrow, and who knows before before like two p.m. the two of us. Of course, he has to watch out because I'm not sure. I think he has a I think he has driving privileges in Pennsylvania, but I don't know I don't know about New York State. I'll I'll check with my. My friends over at the Vestal Police to see if they would uh, we'll extend a courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, Miller Motors, of course, forty-four fifty-five Vestal Parkway East, right across from Binghamton University. If you're in the market for a Honda, a Hyundai, or uh, a late model used vehicle, you can uh, stop in or get more information online at MillerAutoTeam.com. Believe uh, dealership is open today till six. Yeah, today, Friday, always a great day, Friday till 6. And then Saturday, we'll be here till 4 o'clock. Sunday, we're closed, but come on in, take a look at the cars. We have them out on the lot, nicely displayed. And then Monday, we start all over again. Monday, 9 o'clock till 7 o'clock on Monday. Nick Chimaris with the Miller Auto Team. I wish you and all your colleagues the best today and uh, an enjoyable weekend. You know, it's the first weekend of the new year, so... It, it has been. It was a phenomenal last year, and we're really off to a phenomenal uh, new year this year. The, the weather's fantastic. We have the cars out there, and my gosh, I pulled in this morning, and the service drive is bustling with people coming in, doing their oil changes and tire rotation. So it's a really good day. So absolutely, come on in. Well, enjoy, and we'll talk to you again soon. Oh, Bob, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. It's nine eighteen. This is Bob Joseph. Really, really on the radio. I know you're saying. Bob Joseph on the radio. I thought, I thought he was on the internet. Well, of course I am. <laughs> WNBF.com, but I also am broadcasting not with one transmitter, no, two. Ninety-two-one FM, twelve ninety AM, and yes, streaming at WNBF.com. If you have thoughts, we have a phone line six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Actually, we have a bunch of phone lines. So if a bunch of people were to call. Be able to get them all in queue. Eh, get in line now if you want. 607 772 1290, Friday morning on WNBF. You want- WNBF. What, you looking at me? No, you're listening to me. Bob Joseph, WNBF, 921, serving the Northeast. Actually, not just the Northeast, all points on the planet. (laughs) Thanks to the WNBF app. Let me begin the proceedings with Ron in Binghamton. Good morning. Uh, Good morning, Bob. Hey, Bob, I... You know, uh, we better be careful because, you know, I start with something and ask you a minor question and we, we stay on that. I never get to the topic, but something did come to mind. Uh, you're Bob Joseph, um, that uh, fellow down in Susquehanna often called you Bobby. And I never hear anyone refer to you as Robert. 
Yeah, the only actually I think throughout my life about the only person who typically referred to me as Robert was my mom and usually the circumstances when when I was addressed as Robert by my dear mother uh, I I knew the situation was getting serious. That's how yeah. that's how you yeah. know it's it's the time for jokes and one-liners is over. Roberts, Roberts, Mom, I've I've got some some new material to try out on you. Robert, now is not the time. Who stole all the cookies I made for Card Club? Mm-hmm. And be well, like Bob. <laughs> be like, wasn't there a um, there was a, a cartoon? What was it? The the Family Circus or whatever? And and I think one of the running jokes in the Family Circus cartoon with the kids was always somebody, not me, or some invisible person was always responsible for anything that happened in the household. And when the mom or or maybe the dad were trying to assess, gee, who who broke the window? Or who made such a mess? Not me. But anyway, so yeah. before we get tragically off track, what what else was on your mind? I take it uh, as often as the case, you did have a a specific topic that you wanted to bring up on today's program. Yes, in fact, I have a backlog of of topics because we always get into the uh, trivia before the topic. But uh, today. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, the new law in New York State uh, that allows you and I and everybody, uh, upon their uh, demise, to be composted. Did you know that? New York State is the sixth state in the United States that is allowing for human composting. So, when you die, rather than being buried or cremated, uh, you can be composted. Uh, you, it's called natural organic reduction or terramation, and uh, you can become a garden or become a tree. Uh, so, well, that uh, would be nice because remember Barbara Walters, the late lamented uh, Barbara Walters, one of her favorite questions actually i don't know if she ever asked this in interviews but i think they they uh sometimes did barbara walters parodies maybe on saturday night live or somewhere else portraying someone as barbara walters asking a question of some celebrity if you were a tree what what kind of tree would you be so yes yes we could come back Uh, as a tree who did she who did she ask the two pelosi did she ask uh, oh i don't know it's it it, it's all the the illustrious career of Barbara Walters is all a blur, except for that time when she and oh, what's his face over at ABC, Howard Stern. They they tried to pair uh, Barbara Walters and Howard Stern on the ABC Evening News, and they both despised each other. And um, you know, but well, so, she was. A- so did, uh, when I think about it, remember there was a short time when the Brain Trust at CBS decided the evening news would be so much better if it was co-anchored by Dan Rather and Connie Chung. And Dan yeah. Rather, apparently, Dan Rather didn't sign off on the on the concept. I'd, I'd like to have been the person who broke the news to Dan Rather, who had been the solo anchor of Evening News for several years, and at one point the ratings weren't looking so hot. So the 
the brain trust that runs the CBS News operation decided, oh, I know what we'll do that'll really improve the ratings. We'll, we'll bring in Connie Chung to co-anchor the 630 broadcast with Dan. Can you imagine the person, some low-level functionary, some deputy vice president of CBS News division, had to take Dan Rather out to the 21, 21 restaurant or whatever and, uh, you know, ply him with hopefully several drinks and then say, you know, Dan, you're familiar with the work of Constance Chung, aren't you? And by then, Dan, yeah, she's good. I mean, I've seen her as a local anchor on KCBS in California. Well, what we think would be nice is if she joined you on the evening news. Can you imagine that conversation? Well, yeah, uh, that, 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 that's a lamb to the slaughter. No. <laughs> and, and as you recall, it didn't last. It was one of those combinations that certainly it was it was ill-fated. Personally, I don't think co-anchor concepts on, on TV are that, that good. I, I think there was a time, especially on local news, when co-anchor concepts were were sort of in vogue i i think now it just adds more more chaos to the mix if you have more than one anchor but eh, whatever whatever i'm sure i'm sure the consultants would know the answer to that well bob do you know what ruined that pairing when, when they tried it uh connie chung wanted to do a remote going to maury povich on paternity uh, she was married to Maury Povich. Well, and, wouldn't it have uh, been funny? Her. Wouldn't it have been funny if if Maury Povich was interviewing her, his his wife, and during the his his highly highly rated syndicated show, Maury Povich uh, confronted Connie with the fact that you know the test shows that you're having Dan's baby. I, I didn't think you'd go there. <laughs> I didn't think I would either, but it's Friday, and that's just the way. That's just the way it is, as Walter Cronkite would say. I mean, obviously, obviously, I, I, I always, always respected uh, Dan Rather and Connie Chung and Maury Povich and Howard Stern and Barbara Walters at all. But you still remember the. Well, you can't forget the purported scandal involving a couple of those anchors down at ABC, the ABC Disneyland Network, where there's there was a scandal that erupted a few weeks ago with a couple of co-anchors on, like, the fifth hour of Good Morning America, and then because they apparently are better than, you know, are not just friends, but friends with non-broadcast benefits, so after the New York Post started reporting it on the front page, then they got kicked off the fifth hour of Good Morning America. So Now, Bob, uh, now this, imagine imagine this in your wildest dreams. Uh, he, Connie Chung is asked, are you having Dan Rather's baby? And she says, no, it's Eric Severides. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, no. And there's a pregnant pause as she turns and ah. looks into the camera B and says, no, I'm not having Dan Rather's baby. It's triplets. I'm having Dan Rather's babies. Whoa. All right, that's all the time we have. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't get into your topic. You can call back later if you wish, if you wish to talk about some other topic. I know we got sidetracked. We got sidetracked for a bit, but um, still an intriguing 
bit of side trackage there. Bob Joseph live on a Friday morning. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Mark Patrick. Today is Friday, January 6, 2023, exactly one year ago today. A Binghamton high school student was shot just a few steps away from the school on Main Street. Police rushed to the scene. Binghamton fire medics responded. An ambulance was on the scene from Superior within a matter of minutes. And the 18-year-old student who was wounded in that incident near the high school was rushed to Wilson Medical Center. He later was transferred to a hospital in Syracuse where he uh, spent a few days. He uh, ultimately has recuperated from the injuries he sustained a year ago today. Joining us now, live on WNBF, is the student's mother, Lakeisha Hines. And I thank you for being with us today. I, I know this must be a difficult date for you, coming one year to the uh, day after uh, since your son was, was shot. Yes, it is. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And um, as I mentioned, fortunately, uh, Keyshawn, sustained injuries that were not life-threatening but it was a scary time you were at work you were at work on january 6th last year it was a thursday morning tell me what happened how you found out what had happened to Keyshawn. um again like you said i was at work i was just matter of fact just coming off uh, my break and then i had got um one of my co-workers also her kids go to the school and she was saying that the school had a lockdown and before um i knew what was the reason she was just saying the school was you know was locked down because there was a shooting at the school and maybe like two a few minutes later i get a phone call um from one of my best friends asking me was Keyshawn in school did i speak to Keyshawn? and i said Keyshawn should be in school and then it's like it was another phone call after another phone call so i answered the next call and someone was like um Keyshawn just got shot and it was just like it was, it's like I just froze. I, I wasn't, you know, receiving the, the information the way I needed to because I was just in so much shock. And there was just phone calls after phone calls. And then I just gathered myself, uh, my boss, who um, was there, she didn't want me to drive by myself. So she uh, rushed me and uh, drove me to the hospital. So she drove you to Wilson Medical Center in Johnson City? Yes. And when you got to the hospital, what what happened? Were were you able to get some accurate information quickly about your son's condition? Um, at first, um, no, because because it was a crime, because he was um because he was shot and he was investigating. Um, it took maybe the first twenty minutes. I wasn't really able to go inside. Um, I believe I can't remember verbatimly everything on. But I remember officer calling me and telling me that, you know, they're just trying to get all the information together. One of the nurses did come outside to let me know that my son was in stable condition, that he was all right. 
but I just, they needed to just get, you know, some information collected. The police needed to get what they needed to collect it before I was able to go in to see my son. So actually, once I got to the hospital, I think it took me about 45 minutes before they even let me inside to see him. Early on, did did you know that he probably would survive? Because I, I know when... In the early stages, we had heard that he had been wounded at least once, including a chest wound. It turns out he also sustained a wound to the hip. Did did the um, the doctors indicate that although he had been shot and wounded a couple of times, that they believed he would survive, or didn't they know at that point? Well, at that point, on my ride to the hospital is when I realized how, where he was shot. So that's when I really started to panic because at this point, I'm not really knowing if he's okay, if it's how bad it is. And it wasn't until I actually got to the hospital and I was trying to get in, and then they did make it clear that his um, injuries wasn't um, life-threatening, that, you know, one of the bullets did go through the chest, but it came right out. And that was, you know, so they did comfort me to let me know that it wasn't, um, you know, life-threatening. Keyshawn was at Wilson for several hours, and then he was stabilized and then ultimately transferred to the hospital up in Syracuse? That's correct. And how long was he hospitalized at the University Hospital in Syracuse? I believe after his surgery, I would say about four days, if I could recall. I think it was about four days that he stayed because after the surgery, they wanted to, you know, make sure he was able to walk and get his muscles going and stuff like that, make sure he didn't have, you know, nothing um, internally was going on. So I would say about a total of four days he was up in Syracuse. And then eventually he came home, and I I know he was – able to resume his his studies i yeah. had had heard that he might actually finish all of his senior year uh with remote yes, remote learning yes he did he ended up um staying home doing remote learning um it was tough at first at the beginning and then towards the end when it was crunch time almost time for school to be completed and we would figure out where he was at as far as his credits and stuff he was able to return back to school. He didn't return back to the high school, except he went to an alternative program, which I believe was at the Columbus School, and he went there. And he still did stuff from Columbus and did stuff at home. He had teachers that came to the house to help him and get him going. And then he didn't um, have enough credits. It was one class. I think it was forensics. He didn't have enough credits, so he had to do summer school, and they had he had a teacher who came to the home for summer school and got him going and got him through everything and in August my son was able to graduate. Well we're thankful that he he was able to return, complete his necessary lessons and then graduate from Binghamton High School after after having to endure such a, a horrific situation just six days into twenty twenty two. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was by the grace of God, with prayers, again, like I spoke to you um, before and I had told you, I said I'm really um, thankful and blessed that how the community came together and just sent a lot of prayers and love. Um, people um, reached out to see if I need anything, and I was just thankful for that. I didn't use that opportunity to take advantage of that. I just was more um, thankful for the prayers, you know, um, sticks. One of the company sticks, they reached out to me and they was able to give him like a shower chair so he was able to, you know, do his day-to-day necessary things. But other than that, um, it was a program also in the Binghamton High 
city school district because they reached out and was able to, you know, um, give us a few things. But other than that, my whole thing was just making sure that my son was well and getting over the what he got through. And just the prayers was just enough for me. It's 941. We're speaking with Keisha Hines, whose son Keyshawn was shot twice exactly a year ago. It was around 11.15 on a Thursday morning on January 6th last year. And in Binghamton, we don't expect things like this. Unfortunately, of course, shooting incidents still happen too frequently around here. But in what we regard as, as a relatively safe small town, nobody would have expected that that a, a high school senior would be shot on his lunch break just within eyesight of the school at, at about 11.15 in the morning. Had you ever talked with your son about uh, your concerns for his safety as he went to uh, school every day? I always talk to him about his safety. I was always... Um concern about that just because overall how the community just had became throughout the years. Um, I have a total of four kids. I had two kids that already had went to Binghamton High School. And from when they went to Binghamton High School until now, when my son was, it was like totally different. So even before the incident happened, I always had a concern of making sure that um, he would be all right. Because it's just like now the times is different from how kids went to school years years ago here in Binghamton. Now that I think about it, actually, the high school had been shut down for, um, I believe, a couple of weeks in, in late December of 2021 Prior because, yeah, mm-hmm. because there had been because a shootout. Yeah, it was well, a shootout. It was a riot. Um, students were fighting, so they had the school locked down just a couple of weeks before that had happened to my son. So, yeah, of course, I was very concerned overall and then a few weeks later after that happening with the riot and stuff then that happened with my son so it was very um disturbing very disappointing into how you know the safety if the safety issues is going on at that high school overall so i just hope one day it'll change and they'll figure some things out and um try to do a little bit more better than keeping these children safe well Three days before your son was shot, the school gradually started to reopen. Uh, they called it a reset, and they right. they, they brought uh, different grades back uh, on different days. And then finally on Thursday, uh, ironically, I think uh, less than two hours before Keyshawn was wounded near the high school, the administrators in the school district had a had a media event to talk about some new s- screening device that they were using to mm-hmm. um, to improve safety, and I it, it wasn't lost on me that they had just done this uh, announcement or or demonstrated this new piece of equipment, and I think less than two hours later, your son, I saw your son lying on the sidewalk where he had been shot. Yeah, so unfortunately, like you said, they was trying to do whatever it is they was able to do as far as safety issues, and then two hours later or a few hours later, that happened to my son. And I want to also, the lady in the family dollar, I believe she was the one um, who was out there with my son and, like, really helped him and tried to make sure he stayed um laying there. And because she said nobody was helping. People was just walking past. So I really want to 
thank that lady who stayed with my son. She was um, uh, one of the employees at the Family Dollar. And that is the thing. Even though he had been uh, struck twice by bullets, he was still conscious. He could still talk. Yes, to my knowledge of what I was told, yes. Right. Well, a short time later, I I think it was... uh, Two or three hours later, a police found the suspect, the shooting suspect, actually hiding. He, uh, actually, uh, some people doing renovations at an apartment house on Oak Street, just a few steps away from the shooting scene. They discovered a 17-year-old hiding in the basement, and then police came and took him into custody. Correct. And he was charged with attempted murder and criminal possession of a weapon. Did you ever find out what happened to the 17-year-old who authorities said shot Keyshawn? Um, overall, I really don't know exactly the case because um, they reached out to me um, about it. And I'm not really, to be honest, I'm, I'm not 100% sure that I... What, what exactly what happened with um, the young man. And it is a difficult situation because at the right. time he was 17. So mm-hmm. at at that uh, juncture, the, the case, I believe, was handled through um, family court. And I have tried to get some information. I didn't really expect that we could find out either from the district attorney's office or Binghamton police or anybody else ultimately how things were adjudicated, again, because of his age. In terms of just how you and your son were kept informed about the process as after he recovered, but still with the concern that uh, justice be, be served, did you have any thoughts about, about how that process was handled? Yes, of course, I had thoughts about that. Um, but again, like I said, it was the certain things that I felt that... Um, the district attorney's office um, was doing, and um, it just wasn't fair. So I, at this moment, I don't want to go more into, the, like, the details of, of it at all because it's just, like, really frustrating to, like, go over it. But, I mean, I just felt like they um, didn't do their best as far as, as they should. Here we are a, a year later. Uh, Keyshawn is recovered. I, I know he... Now is working full time, and I'm just curious. And I I spoke with you about this uh, a short time ago off the air. Just overall, how he's doing, not just physically, but but emotionally after what he went through in January of last year. Overall, right now, I think that he's he's doing good. Um, teenagers tend to, especially teenage boys, they tend to not want to talk a lot, so he doesn't say um, too much. Um, but overall, he's doing good. Um, I don't think that he had any, um, um, like, how would I, can I say it? He's, overall, he's doing good. Like, he, he's glad he was able to finish high school. He's glad that it didn't hinder him to not um, finish in his schooling. Um, right now, he's just focusing on just dealing with his future. But I don't think that he has any, like, um, emotional like damage where he has nightmares or he can't sleep or he don't have no way of functioning um he's just doing the best that he can and i'm i'm proud of him that he was able to overcome the obstacles that he went through 
It's incredible. It's incredible for anyone, especially for someone of his age, to, to have to go through that and then move forward in life. One thing that uh, you've mentioned to me is he didn't know the person who shot him. Correct. And it's still not 100% clear what was going on there. I, I know you told me that you thought perhaps um, the guy with the gun was trying to rob your son. Correct. And that's, yeah. But Matt, we know, he didn't know him. And, um, yeah, this is just really hard. It's starting to bring back a lot of memories of that day. Despite that, you have chosen to stay in Binghamton, and he is still living in in the area. Uh, do you generally, despite what happened one year ago, do you still generally feel safe? Um, generally, I do. Like, I moved here in 1997. I was a, a teen mom, and I, I moved here just for a better life um, because I, you know, lived in a bigger city. And I always... I always think that Binghamton was safe, and I all and even to today, I don't think it's the Binghamton itself or Broome County as a whole. It's just the some people who wants to put themselves in certain situations to make the community unsafe. But Binghamton itself, Broome County itself, I feel that it's safe and it's a um, a pleasant place to raise and um, raise a family and to to build here. I mean. Other than that situation that I had with my son, I never had any issues here living here. Although what we came to realize last year tended to be a, a violent year. Your your son was shot just uh, less than a week into 2022. Uh, a little over three months later, a 12-year-old girl, Eliza Spencer, mm -hmm. died. Yes. When she was shot in the chest, she was walking with her father and and her brother near their home on, on the east side. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that was very disturbing. So 2022 was definitely a hard time for a lot of families. Um, I'm, I'm just praying that all families who had any type of in, in, endangerment or had to endure any type of loss or anything, I hope that now that they moving forward and they, by the grace of God, that God has given them the strength to just to live their day-by-day -day life. Like, people have to understand when you do bad things and you do things to people to harm them, I mean, you're taking away from a lot of people. You're not just harming that person. You're harming and affects the entire family and sometimes the entire community. So I just wish that people would think before they do things. Lakeisha Hines, I appreciate your speaking with me on this Friday morning and letting people know a little bit more about what happened on January 6th of 2022, and also having a, an actual appreciation that real people are are affected and, and lives can be changed dramatically in a period of just a couple of seconds by something that, that can happen on a weekday on, on Main Street in Binghamton. We just never know. Just never know, absolutely. Thank you again. I wish you and Keyshawn and your entire family the best. Thank you so much. Thank you, and you have a good day. It's 9.52. I'm Bob Joseph. This is News Radio, WNBF. Uncle Sam. Nine fifty-five. Bob Joseph on your Friday morning at News Radio WNBF. 
Our really mild weather is pretty much over for now, although it still is unusually warm for January. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. Cloudy today, chance of showers, high 41, mostly cloudy tonight, low 31. Cloudy tomorrow, high 37, mostly sunny Sunday, high 37. Right now it's 37 in downtown Binghamton at News Radio, WNBF 921 FM. 1290 AM and always available on the free WNBF app. I never WNBF, WNBF.com. Well, it's the second anniversary of um, what happened on January 6th, 2021. The, um, call it an insurrection. That's what many have called it, an insurrection. And even two years later, it's hard to believe it happened. But as we look back, now, just a very brief moment of silence before the news on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, January 6th. You're listening to WNBF. A Tioga County man has been charged with murder after his mother's body was discovered in her town of Owego home. Authorities say 33-year-old James Cavasse was taken into custody Tuesday afternoon at his mother's residence at 2230 Day Hollow Road. Sheriff's deputies and state troopers were sent to the home of 78-year-old Phyllis Cavasse to check on her welfare. Captain Sean Nalipa of the Tioga County Sheriff's Office said the woman's body was found in a stairwell area near the entrance to the house. Nalipa said James Cavasse was detained after he was discovered upstairs in the residence. An autopsy performed Wednesday at Lord's Hospital in Binghamton determined the cause of Phyllis Cavasse's death was blunt force trauma to the head. Nalipa said investigators discovered a table leg that likely had been used to strike the woman multiple times. He said it's believed she had been killed the previous day. Employees in Broome County's Department of Social Services want steps taken to deal with the ongoing problem caused by dozens of vacant positions. Current and former department workers say there are not enough people to provide necessary services. Broome County Executive Jason Garner on Thursday said there have been big challenges in hiring employees for social services positions and for other departments. During a WMBF News interview, Garner said there had been staffing issues even before COVID. He said the challenge of hiring new people and filling positions is happening not just at DSS, It's really across the board. The county executive acknowledged there are now some serious problems with social services staffing. In December, Broome County 
County's personnel officer advised lawmakers that 82 funded social services positions were vacant. Garner said some positions in the department have been upgraded, although workers said not everyone received raises. He noted the way the civil service system is set up. The upgrades typically favor newer employees compared to those who have already been working through all their steps. New York Assembly members Linda Rosenthal, Joanne Simon, and Karines Reyes proposed the bill to legalize natural psychedelics in New York State. As written, the bill legalizes adult possession and use of certain natural plant or fungus-based hallucinogens, grants certain protections for individuals lawfully using such hallucinogens, removes such hallucinogens from the list of Schedule I controlled substances, and makes related provisions. The legislation would not legalize the sale of the covered natural hallucinogens, but would for possession, cultivation, and exchange of the substances. The bill also stated that naturally occurring psychedelic substances can be beneficial for treating a variety of things, namely pain, anxiety, substance use disorders, and post-traumatic stress disorder. The Broome County Legislature held its organizational session on Thursday evening, where legislators unanimously re-elected 5th District Legislator Daniel J. Reynolds as chairman of the legislature for the 2023-2024 legislature term. Reynolds represents parts of the town of Vestal and was first elected chairman in December of 2015. He was unanimously re-elected chairman for the 2017-2018, 2019-2020, and 2021-2022 terms. Chairman and 5th District Legislator Daniel Reynolds stated, It's an honor to have support of of my colleagues to serve as chairman of the legislator for the next two years. We've worked hard to cut taxes for five consecutive years, removed blight and dangerous properties, focused on public safety and infrastructure while making significant strategic investments in our community. The Broome County Sheriff's Office is currently looking for Phelan J. Nuegan, on an outstanding warrant and asking the residents of Broome County for assistance. He was last known to frequent the Oak Hill Avenue area of the village of Endicott. Anyone with information on his location is asked to contact the Broome County Sheriff's Office. Tips may be submitted electronically using the Broome County Sheriff's Office website or by phone by calling the Broome County Sheriff's Office tip line at 607-778-1196 or Warrants Division at 607-778-2923 or 607-778-293. New York Attorney General Letitia James is suing the former CEO of the failed cryptocurrency lending platform Celsius Network, saying he misled investors. The lawsuit filed Thursday seeks to ban Alex Mashinsky from doing business in the state. James says Mashinsky, a co-founder of Celsius, encouraged investors to put billions of dollars worth of their digital assets in his platform. The lawsuit alleges Mashinsky promised hefty returns and said Celsius was as safe as a bank, but meanwhile was engaging in risky investments and not telling investors when those investments failed. Celsius filed for bankruptcy last year after halting its operations in June. The contours of a deal that could make Republican leaders Leader Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, have begun to emerge. The House returns today to try again to end the stalemate over choosing a new Speaker after days of voting with no conclusion. But glimmers of a deal started to take shape. Party leader Kevin McCarthy is determined to win over enough fellow Republicans. He has offered the conservative holdouts rule changes to give them more power to shape legislation and to boot him from office. But it's still just round one, one of the holdouts said. So far, 11 roll call votes have failed to elect a Speaker. The impasse has left the House unable to fully form and govern. Members voted to adjourn, returning today. 
The Buffalo Bills have received a much-needed jolt of good news. Coach Sean McDermott and his team found out yesterday that safety DeMar Hamlin has made remarkable progress in his recovery since his heart stopped during Monday night's game. In three days since, the Bills were left emotionally devastated as they watched their teammate collapse on the field in Cincinnati. The team's motto has gone from pray for DeMar to play for DeMar. The test for the Bills now is focusing their attention on returning to the field. They host New England Patriots in their season finale on Sunday. National Weather Service forecast for now town binghamton today a chance of showers mainly after 10 a.m cloudy with a high near 41 degrees 50 percent chance of rain tonight mostly cloudy with a low near 31 tomorrow cloudy with a high near 37 tomorrow night a chance of flurries between 8 p.m and 2 a.m mostly cloudy with a low near 24 degrees and sunday mostly sunny with a high near 37 sunday night chance of snow showers after 2 a.m mostly cloudy with a low near 27 degrees chance of snow 30 percent you're listening to wmbf where news breaks first news radio 1290 wmbf wmbf com and 92.1 FM. In living color on your radio on NBF, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Of course, it's always good if you have a really good, fast Internet connection because then the station sounds, oh, so much better. Imagine if you had to listen to the station on some sort of dial-up connection. Gee, it would sound something like this. Well, maybe not that bad. At any rate, we will be talking about uh, broadband service, high-speed Internet, and uh, efforts to increase its availability in the southern tier and across New York State. That will be coming up as we start off this hour of the program. Later on the program, we'll talk more about um, the one-year anniversary that tragic shooting that happened right here in Binghamton with a Binghamton High School student who was shot in the chest. We just spoke with his mom um, about what happened on January 6th of 2022. As you heard Lakeisha Hines tell us, she got the call while she was at work at Vestal at Sam's Club. Can you imagine getting that kind of call at about 11.30 on a Thursday morning in January? And it was a heartbreaking story. Uh, the good news, as, as she relayed to us in our conversation, fortunately, her son recovered. He still has uh, some pain, and he'll probably uh, always uh, have a little bit of of, uh, of an issue as a result of the shooting that happened that day. But he was very, very fortunate. He was wounded once in the chest and once in the hip. And... After spending a few hours at Wilson Medical Center in Johnson City, he then spent a few days at a hospital in Syracuse before he was able to come home. Fortunately, 
after that shooting a year ago, he has recovered. He's now working full-time. And so we're really glad to hear that's how that happened, how, how things ultimately worked out. And as you heard from Lakeisha Hines, she was very grateful for the support from the community, for the people who helped her and her family in the aftermath of that tragic day one year ago. So we may talk more about that and some other things on this Friday morning. But coming up next, we'll talk about high-speed broadband. Why? Why can't everybody in New York and Pennsylvania and across the United States get good Internet service? We'll talk about that next here on News Radio WNBF. Seventeen on News Radio WNBF WNBF.com. Everybody wants reliable, affordable, high-speed internet broadband service. Well, someday it may happen. In fact, someday it will happen. I'm just not sure if it's going to happen in my lifetime. Joining us now to talk about this is Carolyn Price and also Cassie Robinson. Welcome to WNBF, and um, I'll say Happy New Year. Maybe this will be the year there will be some breakthroughs. Let's hope. I hope so. (laughs) So, um, and, of course, Carolyn Price, you've been on the program many times over the years uh, for quite a while, as or on many occasions when you served as the town supervisor. How are things going in Windsor? Uh, I haven't... I have to confess, I haven't been in, in Windsor in, in a few months. Did they ever uh, open a bank in, in town or in the no. village? No, uh, they still don't have a bank. We have the most residents in the county that don't have reliable broadband. And, you know, you mentioned as town supervisor, that was one of the first problems that was brought to my attention by Cassie. When she called me and said, you know, you need to know, I have to drive my daughter to a welcome station off the Internet to do her homework. I can't imagine what it's like to, to have uh, a child these days, or, or for that matter for myself, to um, have to survive in 2023 without access to high-speed Internet. Oh, trust me, with a teenager, it's getting rougher. Uh, but when she was in school, I would take her all the way down to the PA Welcome Center every night to be able to get on the Internet. She had to do research or whatever for her homework. And sometimes if she didn't make it to school because she was sick and stuff, we'd have to go down there just to get her homework assignments. So that being said, here comes COVID-19, and now i got two kids in school. And both of them are supposed to be doing online schooling with no Internet access. We ended up doing satellite internet my poor she was seven at the time six at the time and she was in first grade and she's got to read the same book five six times before i could get it to upload to the internet many of our listeners in the triple cities area might be somewhat 
surprised to hear this. They they've had access probably to decent internet, generally provided by the the cable company over the years, Time Warner, and now now Spectrum, and um, increasingly with uh, the build out with Greenlight networks. Uh, there suddenly is uh, a bit of competition that's coming to certain parts of our area, but still, there are vast numbers of people in the southern tier and elsewhere in New York State who who don't have access to anything that's that's remotely approaching uh, a decent internet speed. And we're concerned. One of our reasons for being here today that the FCC put out a new map. And they're showing the town of Windsor residents as all being served, and, and they're not. They either don't have service or it's not reliable, as Cassie described. So we want to make not only the people in Windsor, but all across the southern tier and even into Pennsylvania that are listening, because this is a national map, you need to go to the website, which is broadbandmap.fcc.gov slash home and type in your address and i think cassie has already done that and there's inaccuracies that need to be corrected what did you find cassie uh it actually stated that i receive cable internet i'm not sure that it listed at that time which cable provider it was just that i was receiving it i can tell you for sure i don't get cable internet and i don't even get satellite internet the trees are too high around my house. I can't even get to the right degree or whatever to hit the satellite in the sky. It's unbelievable. Now, again, the website, and people might be interested in, in trying this right now, broadbandmap.fcc.gov. I just punched it up and put my address in. First of all, for fixed broadband, it says no location data. So I guess I guess where I live must be... Must be a secret. Even the FCC doesn't have any location data for, uh, for me for fixed broadband. Uh, for mobile broadband, it does list um, T-Mobile, Verizon, AT and T, Owen oh, Hughes. So a satellite. Yes, Hughes satellite. But again, it, it just goes to show just a spot check of one random address of a of a guy I know that that uh, the database is. Uh, either incomplete or, as you mentioned, in some cases, perhaps many cases, inaccurate. I haven't spoken with anyone who has checked that their data is 100% correct. So it's good that the federal government is asking us for our input, but everybody needs to go there and respond. And if somebody is like you, Bob, that your address is not showing or there's not data, you need to, in the comment section, bring that to their attention. And why is this important? There's over $40 billion that's going to be distributed by the federal government to the states, and it's going to be distributed based on this map. So also good news, New York State is on it. New York State has already challenged 31,000 addresses, and we're in the process of verifying that the Windsor addresses are in there. And also Broome County is challenging. So I want to thank them for being involved. But this, I'm sorry, this is a fight that has been going on for us for almost 10 years, and it's far from over, and everybody needs to check their addresses and respond. I just 
actually clicked on the the icon of my house on the street and clicking on that instead of just um, relying on on punching the address in and looking at the information. If I um, actually click on my house, it actually does have the listings of charter communications, Frontier, Hughes, Space Exploration, another satellite service, T-Mobile, and also something called Viasat another satellite mm-hmm. so at least those are listed i will say this the speed that they're listing for charter which does business as spectrum i find the speed that they're listing to be um questionable i, I would have to check but i i have a sense that the speed that's listed as uh, well you know how they say in the ads with speeds up to it's like up to but not necessarily a speed that you're always going to be guaranteed. And you look at, say, your Internet bill, if you are fortunate to have access to, to broadband service, a lot of times the fine print will say, well, you know, that's sort of what we we aspire to, but we don't necessarily guarantee that your your actual speed is, is always going to be that, depending on, you know, network um use or whatever so i i have to admit at least where i live i do have access to broadband but you know sometimes it's imperfect and but i take it for granted and as i've said along with a lot of our other listeners they're probably surprised that in 2023 broadband deserts still exist it really is a shock you wouldn't believe how many people are just like you don't have internet like the schools, when they sent those kids home and they were setting them up to be schooling from home, they did it all based on people would have access to this. And my, we had HughesNet or Viasat at that time. I can't remember which one. I think it was HughesNet. You only got 20 gigabytes of data for that whole month, and it was 70, 80 bucks. And... You're talking my daughter was in high school. She was in advanced classes when COVID started. And by the time school opened their doors to be in every day, she was no longer in those advanced classes because she couldn't keep up with getting the material downloaded to her laptop to stay keep up with the class. So the Upstate New York Towns Association mm-hmm. has been increasingly active on this issue because it affects so many towns in upstate New York. Tell me a bit about uh, that activity as as the push continues to, to obtain better service for, for many New Yorkers who basically so far have been left behind when it comes to this advanced technology. And again, I would refer people now to our website, which is upstatenyta.org. We not only have a copy of our ad that we're running in a lot of local newspapers in five counties here in the southern tier in central New York, we also put up a tutorial from the FCC on how you make your challenge. It's a little over a minute. So if anybody has difficulty with their address, they can go to that tutorial on our website. From the very beginning, and we're almost 10 years old as an association, Increasing access to technology has been one of our points of our three-point plan since the very beginning. And we continue to lobby in Albany for better access for people, particularly in rural areas throughout New York State. It must be frustrating when you hear 
about uh, these new initiatives that are popping up, including Greenlight Networks, which was founded by uh, a guy who grew up on Binghamton's west side. He's a, a graduate of Seton Catholic Central High School. He no longer lives in the Binghamton area, but his company, Greenlight Networks, has been building out in parts of Binghamton, Johnson City, Vestal, and well, I understand they're they're planning to hit Owego, but still, they're even with the work that his company is doing, it's happening on a, what seems to many people to be a, a painfully slow basis because there's a lot. It it it's every specific address has to be serviced, so it's time consuming. And it's also expensive to do these build outs. Yes, and what happens is the companies cannot afford to build out in these very rural areas like where Cassie lives in the broadband desert that she lives in. They cannot do it unless state, federal government, local governments, county governments come along and help them with subsidies. It is just too expensive. But it is an infrastructure that is very much needed. It is as much needed as electricity was over 100 years ago. And we need to make this happen. And I don't think people sometimes understand the cost. I know that the federal government is putting over $40 billion in for across the country. The research I have read said to fully cover this country would take over $400 billion. So we don't have the funding to make it happen for all people. But I also wanted to mention, Bob, if you look at the FCC map and it shows the whole country and the areas in blue are showed as served and you see the northeast as in the federalized as served, even though we're not served in some areas. But if you look at that map out in the west, like California, New Mexico, Idaho, some of those states, a lot of them are white and that is where probably a lot of the money is going to go unless we can show here in New York that we do have white areas. I know I'm looking at a, a story I did in November 2021 when the Southern Tier 8 Regional Board announced it was applying for a $22 million grant to cover uh, nearly 900 residential addresses in this region. Turns out that particular initiative did not affect towns in Broome County, but some surrounding counties. Uh, and I know, as as uh, Jen Gregory was talking about that initiative, of course, I I uh, crunched the numbers with my little calculator on the phone, and and the amount of money that it worked out per address for that initiative was going to be about twenty four thousand five hundred dollars. That proves. Um, or it's additional proof that it is expensive to to provide this broadband service to people who live in in some of the less populous areas. And that's an excellent point. Uh, Town of Windsor, we did a, a grant for federal money for $2.6 million to cover this broadband desert, which was about $10,000 per house. And none our project wasn't funded. None of them in New York were. And it was really a matter of money because the projects that were funded across the United States range from about $500 to $5,000 a house. We're also hearing informally that the federal government is only going to fund up to $5,000 a residence. So states going to have to step in, county, local governments, to make this happen. Complicated issue, but important. And 
even though, as I said, many of our listeners who live in the Triple Cities area, if you live in Binghamton, Johnson City, Endicott, Vestal, and Endwell, in those places, you probably have said, I don't know what the problem is. Well, and that's one of the things I think is important to help educate people that some of their friends and not-too-distant neighbors are in this situation still residing in broadband deserts and anxiously waiting to, to receive the type of technology that so many of us have, have been taking for granted for, for many years. I hope you'll keep us posted. We will. And before you leave, I encourage you one more time to give that FCC website address so people can check online to see what the FCC's database shows for the levels of service or the options that are available for your specific address. What's that uh, website? So they may have to put in HTTPS colon uh, double backslash and then broadbandmap.fcc.gov backslash home. If you... Uh, need it again, you can also go to the Upstate Towns website, www.upstatenyta.org. And there's also a tutorial on there, and we encourage everybody, even if you have good broadband, you need to check your address. And as I uh, referenced, uh, the founder of Greenlight Networks, Mark Murphy, a Binghamton native. He's going to be on the program on Monday morning at 10.15. We'll get an update to uh, see how Greenlight Networks is doing on providing its service to uh, greater numbers of people here in Broome and ultimately Tioga counties. And I think it will be a a useful update for uh, folks. I hope our friends at Spectrum are listening, too. Uh, Spectrum has not been that helpful for us so far. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> maybe they made a New Year's resolution, and maybe they'll make a, a big announcement. Maybe the CEO. Have they changed hands lately? <laughs> <laughs> Got a new CEO you in know, there? I am the eternal optimist, and what I think is that the, the head of Spectrum, who I, I can't remember his name, but I have read that he is well compensated. He could easily afford to pay for his own private plane to actually fly into the Windsor area and make a big announcement next week that that Spectrum and Charter Communications will will use. We would greatly appreciate it and we would totally take it. Anyway, well, I I wish you the best. Thank you for for updating us. us. Carolyn Price and Cassie Robinson talking about the future of broadband for New Yorkers and other Americans. It's 1034. I'm Bob Joseph. We'll be taking phone calls. If you have thoughts about this or almost anything else, give us a ring. 607-772-1290. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Bob Joseph with you on a Friday morning at 10.37. We go back to the phones now. Tom in Endicott, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm well. How are you, Tom? Uh, Well, I'm walking in the rain, and one of our streets that's installing the green light networking, 
And I'm I'm not sure if you're familiar with the process to do that or not. Are you familiar with that? Well, uh, yes, to an extent, because when some of the green light crews were doing installations on the west side, I think about I don't know if it was about three or four months ago, I caught up with with uh, crews while they were working outside an apartment building, a, a multi-unit apartment building. Might have been on Walnut Street or at least somewhere over on the west side. So I, I talked with some of the um, the installation crew, and they they told me a bit about it, but um, you know they gave me a brief overview. Well, we we have we have uh, all our utilities underground over in Endicott, where I live, and so they have to before Greenlight does anything, they have a group that goes through where they put the flags down on all utilities, and then they actually have like a little burrow that goes under the ground to get the fiber optic cable to every house. Uh, so I'm not sure if it was the same kind of installation. But it, it, well, what part What part of um, Endicott, like, give me, throw out a couple of general streets where, where this is going on. Have they actually had to start doing or have that prep work done uh, to, to begin yes. laying the un- underground, uh, I, I assume it's fiber optic that they have to put yes. underground? Yes, it is, and I live off Taft. So uh, in that regard, they basically have this burrow that comes in. It's not green light. It's another contractor that has this burrow that goes through, and, of course, it has to has, has to avoid all of the utilities because that's all underground. So we still have all the flags up. But the interesting thing is nobody contacted us, but in order to install that, they had a big, pretty big hole in every other yard. So every other yard in our street has this big hole where they dug in, and they put this, like, uh, receptacle for two houses. And I asked the installation team, I said, so what happens next? And they go, oh, that's our job. That's all we do. So then another group has to come in and put a adapter in to get the optics if you want the service, I'm assuming. And then someone else has to get a buried cable into your home. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, it sounds like it's very – it sounds like it would be very expensive if most people don't sign up for the service. So um, yeah, it sounds to... sounds like it would be. And by the way, the, the process that you describe is different from the process that I saw when I was over on, on the west side of Binghamton because they were not doing the installation underground. They were using uh, utility poles. I believe they had worked out a deal with, with NYSEG. But I am familiar with your neighborhood. I know some folks who live... I believe yeah. right in that, that general area off Taft Avenue. Beautiful neighborhood, by the way. Great well, place. Once, once they, great place to walk your to, dog. Once they get once they get to Taft, then they do go up onto the onto the utility poles. In fact, they're doing that today, kind of doing that bridge. But uh, again, you know, it, first of all, there was no permission granted to just come in and dig up every other lawn. It still just has dirt on it. And I'm just kind of curious. Uh, everybody's got, you know, on this street I'm on now right now has 400 little utility flags. Nobody said when you can get rid of them. And I assume you can't because there's more digging they have to do, right? They have to, if you subscribe to the service, they've got to go into this little well, add the optics there, then then bury the optics to get to your house. And then they have to convert the optical signal to an electrical signal that will drive your, you know, your Internet. So... Nobody's indicated what the cost of installation is or the cost of the service. My only comment from the neighbors is, well, we don't like spectrum. 
which I found interesting. Well, I will ask Mark Murphy, the guy who's in charge of Greenlight Networks, the guy who founded it, and I think he's now the CEO. He, he will be on the program Monday morning at ten fifteen. So I'll uh, I'll bring up that that aspect of installation in the areas where where neighborhoods have have utilities uh, underground because that's one thing he was on the program last september and it, it didn't occur to me that at least in some areas where they're expanding into here in in Brome and tioga counties that they will have to uh, install their their uh, stuff underground I, that was one thing that um, we didn't touch on during the first conversation but we will on monday morning yeah and, and, and if you could ask him i'm just curious when do you you know like do, do, do you have to have like five people on the street before they'll even because it's a lot of work to bring all that machinery to do individual installations where you're digging up an area you're digging into the house all that seems like you want to sort of grab those together well, yeah, I would. I would think that you would want sort of a, a firm commitment, or um, even even ask potential potential customers to, to put uh, put a deposit down. You haven't been contacted by Greenlight Networks yourself. The only, the only information I got at all was from this installation crew when they, you know, all these flags appeared. Then these guys mm-hmm. came out this borough, and as I said, they don't work for Greenlight Networks. And I said, "Well, what's the rest of the process?" And they said, "No, we just this is all we're doing. We're putting these caverns at the other house in." And I, I'm familiar with optical fiber. You know, that's sort of a fragile technology. So as they're dragging this through all the mud and everything. I'm thinking, what if you get a break or something in your optical fiber? You know, I, I, I just kind of curious. It seems like a very expensive solution, especially when things like 5G are coming. So I think you should ask them also. With all this, you know, 5G is supposed to give you infinite bandwidth in your cell phone uh does this make how does this fit into that bigger picture well i, I don't know I, I will say i don't know a whole lot about 5g but the more i hear about it the, the more concerned i am about about how available true 5g service is going to be here in the southern tier because the 5g installations generally each one doesn't cover that that uh wide an area so a lot of um 5g um, things have to be put in place to um, uh, properly cover this area. If people have 5G uh, phones and they they want the all the promise of 5G, I think a lot of people are are going to be really disappointed around here, at least for the next several years. And obviously, that must be their business. They must have that business analysis that says exactly what you said. Because, like I said, to dig up the street, to run all this brewing through, to Take the risk of whether people are going to sign up or not without understanding any of that. That seems like a pretty big, you know, business risk. So I'd be anxious to hear what the guy says on Monday. Right. Well, here's my question for you. Once once they get your neighborhood completely installed so, and the service is is activated, do you intend to inquire to uh, become a, a green light customer? Yeah, I mean, both my wife and I work for a large aerospace company locally, so we we work from home. So certainly the internet is very important to us. But uh, you know, it would just—I'd still like to understand what's involved. It right now, I think we get something like 100 megabits per second. Uh, you know, and and I I know that a lot of times they advertise 300. So I think this green light is thing—they're going to be like 
500 megabits per second. So will that make a difference in my daily work? No. <laughs> no, so it, it depends. What value. what I'm thinking, because I am familiar with your your neighborhood, I'm thinking even without doing a survey, without contacting the people on those streets off Taft Avenue, I'm thinking that the um, people, the planners for Greenlight Networks, have a general idea of the demographics of people in that right. neighborhood, their income, and, and their yeah. ability to pay for this type of service. And my guess is they, they think the risk of doing a build-out in that neighborhood in the town of Union is going to be relatively minimal. I think I think the, the bigger problems for um, people who want green light network uh, service will be in, in some of the um, lower-income areas around the triple cities. Will Greenlight uh, put its service, say, in, in parts of Binghamton's north side or some of the neighborhoods in, in Endicott or Johnson City that aren't particularly well-to-do and and may not bring a, a very quick return on, on the company's investment? I would think I would think those are the areas where where they're perhaps not going to uh, see this this additional service additional option to uh, to spectrum at least not right away maybe i'll ask uh, mark murphy about that as well but i i appreciate your bringing it up because i i had not uh, thought about the uh, the issue of of underground underground yeah, um, and, and, you know, you're 100% right on you know the, the the targeted area and what kind of triggered me to call was hearing about the installation problems in Windsor, thinking like, well, obviously, we're going to be in pretty good shape, but other areas are woefully limited, as we heard in your call. You, you don't realize how difficult that is. And even even working, we still have times where there's an outage somewhere. So, Yeah, it's... Um... And as Carolyn Price pointed out, uh, the and I touched on too, just the the enormous average cost uh, to expand um, service broadband service in in these uh, rural areas, and you know if it's going to cost twenty, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars per home, uh, clearly the broadband company can't foot it, and the average homeowner isn't going to have that kind of money. They might want to have that kind of high-speed broadband service, but they don't, based on, on average budgets, they're not going to have that money to, to say to the uh, the provider, I'll do it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough situation for, for many well, people. If you don't, yeah, if you don't live in, in an area with, uh, a, you know, a certain, certain population density, because, like, with a spectrum installed, they come, they put a, a cable in from the, you know, the telephone line. That, that seems hard to see how that's $24,000 for that type of installation. Right. Well, a lot so, of it, it comes down to, say, the final mile. Uh, Carolyn Price pointed out to me after we completed our, our segment on air, or maybe it was um, our other guest, they they mentioned that there's a spectrum high high speed line that runs oh actually yeah a, a, about a mile from her home and spectrum wouldn't even give her a price quote about what it would cost wow. to get and and basically sounds like it's um spectrum and another company adams that are pointing the finger at at each other and saying 
hey, that's not that's not us. That's not our problem or not our territory. So it's even even say if you've got high speed internet access or a line that that in theory could bring it to you um and it's not far from your home sometimes you're dealing with with companies that that don't really seem very interested in in helping you or at least even giving you a quote okay well well, thank you very much all right thanks for uh, the information and again we'll talk about the status of Greenlight Networks and its expansion in Broome and Tioga counties on Monday with Mark Murphy. Right here on News Radio WNBF. Our number is 607-772-1290. If you'd like to call, if you have a few thoughts, we have a few phone lines. I'm Bob Joseph. News Radio, WNBF. I never... Ladies and gentlemen, we're back live at the National Butt-Out Finals. A.J. Langer is all fired up. And there he goes. It's out. He put his butt out in 2.6 seconds. Lori is with A.J. Lori? A.J., how did you get your butt out so quick? Well, I learned the hard way. I burned the house down. If you smoke, put it out. All the way. Every time. Smoking is the number one cause of preventable home fire deaths. Check out usfa.dhs.gov slash smoking. A message from the U.S fire administration and firefighters everywhere i never write Sunday morning, and I'll be playing a polka on Polka Radio, WNBM. Billy Boy, you did a great job for the station. Dave and Vestal, you're on the air. Yeah, good morning, sir. Hey, uh, before you go to the news, Bob, I just wanted to give you a, a, a little bit of music news. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but there are two artists collaborating to put out an album that you would never think would be together working. Uh, David Gilmore from Pink Floyd and Donovan. Can you believe that? Well, it's at first blush, it's surprising. But David Gilmore has actually uh, collaborated with a bunch of people in the past, so I'm not totally, totally stunned. But that's the first time that that I have um, actually heard the news. That's, I mean, it seems appropriate. Yeah. That, well, they're both British, right? Yeah. I believe they are. They, they are. But. Yeah, you know, I just I because I have a lot of both of their music, and I, I would I would I would not picture them together. Although, not, I, well, I guess you're right. You could. Well, again, D- David Gilmore, my recollection. I'm I'm 
I can't give you a whole bunch of, um, for instances right now, but I, I know he's he's played with a bunch of people, um, fairly well-known people over the years. So this this is, uh, as a news flash to me, of course, now that I look it up, let me actually punch this. I don't know if I'm allowed to punch this. Can I punch this? Because this... <laughs> It's uh, it's on the internet, so it says uh, apparently this collaboration is David Gilmore and Donovan uh, with something called Rock Me. Let me just punch Rock this. Me. That, yeah. Well, let's yeah. let's punch this. I hope I don't get in trouble for punching this, but no. <laughs> well, if I do, it's been fun. Hold on. Okay. We don't want me. With everything we want, we ask ourselves in well, times uh, of trouble. I like the first 15 seconds. I'd... Oh, yeah. It's got that old Donovan style to it there. Yeah. Uh, yes. It yes. says, um, this story from GuitarWorld.com says, Gilmore is far from the first A-list rocker Donovan has played with over the years. He jammed with George Harrison, Paul McCartney, and John Lennon in India in 1968, and even taught Mr. Lennon the claw hammer picking technique. So, yeah, there's an interesting... Huh. All right, well, that's that's news I can use. At least now I have something to look forward to this weekend. Although it's yes. only four and a half minutes long, but what I'll do, I'll uh, when I get home tonight, hope the dogs like it because they're going to hear it probably on a loop from about seven o'clock tonight until seven o'clock Monday morning. I think I'll blast it so the neighbors can enjoy it too. Hopefully, they like David Gilmore and Donovan. Have a good weekend, bud. Hey, yeah, thank you. By the way, don't you have any? Political thoughts? Come on, man. Well, well, you know what? I, I, we're going to ease back into that, Bob. You know, to, to, to be honest with you, Bob, I felt I felt really good for, over the holidays to just let it go and just enjoy family, enjoy life, enjoy the holidays, and it really felt good. But, but I know we'll, we'll get back into it. Okay, more. I know we will. In case you've been listening closely, as some people probably have perhaps some people have noted that there has been shall we say a, a de-emphasis at least in the first week of the year on politics and for people who like hearing about politics don't worry because it's not going to last forever but i i also felt that uh starting the new year it would be um in everyone's best interest to, to focus on general things. It could be music or local issues. I mean, it's not as though any of us are ignoring anything. The one thing that I'll say, this is not directly political, but I I am pleased that C-SPAN is able to provide good coverage of what's going on right now in the House because until a speaker is actually chosen, C-SPAN can run its cameras the way TV producers normally would. When when a speaker right, is yeah. in place, the, the House of Representatives controls what is shown on that feed. And I have to say, I think the time has come to allow C-SPAN operate the cameras itself and cover the House of Representatives the way it ought to be covered. But, you know, that's, the that's, I guess, the only good thing about what's gone on in the last couple of days. But, yeah, we'll, we'll talk politics probably starting next week. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely get back into it, Bob. Okay. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. It's 11 o'clock. I 
and Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, January 6th. You're listening to WNBF. A Tioga County man has been charged with murder after his mother's body was discovered in her town of Owego home. Authorities say 33-year-old James Cavasse was taken into custody Tuesday afternoon at his mother's residence at 2230 Day Hollow Road. Sheriff's deputies and state troopers were sent to the home of 78-year-old Phyllis Cavasse to check on her welfare. Captain Sean Nalipa of the Tioga County Sheriff's Office said the woman's body was found in a stairwell area near the entrance to the house. Nalipa said James Cavasse was detained after he was discovered upstairs in the residence. An autopsy performed Wednesday at Lord's Hospital in Binghamton determined the cause of Phyllis Cavasse's death was blunt force trauma to the head. Nalipa said investigators discovered a table leg that likely had been used to strike the woman multiple times. He said it's believed she had been killed the previous day. Employees in Broome County's Department of Social Services want steps taken to deal with the ongoing problem caused by dozens of vacant positions. Current and former department workers say there are not enough people to provide necessary services. Broome County Executive Jason Garner on Thursday said there have been big challenges in hiring employees for social services positions and for other departments. During a WMBF News interview, Garner said there had been staffing issues even before COVID. He said the challenge of hiring new people and filling positions is happening not just at DSS, it's really across the board. The county executive acknowledged there are now some serious problems with social services staffing. In December, Broome County's personnel officer advised lawmakers that 82 funded social services positions were vacant. Garner said some positions in the department have been upgraded, although workers said not everyone received raises. He noted the way the civil service system is set up, the upgrades typically favor newer employees compared to those who have already been working through all their steps. New York Assembly members Linda Rosenthal, Joanne Simon, and Karines Reyes proposed the bill to legalize natural psychedelics in New York State. As written, the bill legalizes adult possession and use of certain natural plant or fungus-based hallucinogens, grants certain protections for individuals lawfully using such hallucinogens, removes such hallucinogens from the list of Schedule I controlled substances, and makes related provisions. The legislation would not legalize the sale of the covered natural hallucinogens, but would for possession, cultivation, and exchange of the substances. The bill also stated that naturally occurring psychedelic substances can be beneficial for treating a variety of things, namely pain, anxiety, substance use disorders, and post-traumatic stress disorder. The Broome County Legislature held its organizational session on Thursday evening, where legislators unanimously re-elected 5th District Legislator Daniel J. Reynolds as chairman of the legislature for the 2023-2024 legislature term. Reynolds represents parts of the town of Vestal and was first elected chairman in December of 20. He was unanimously re-elected chairman for the 2017-2018, 2019-2020, and 2021-2022 terms. Chairman and 5th District Legislator Daniel Reynolds stated, It's an honor to have support of of my colleagues to serve as chairman of the legislator for the next two years. We've worked hard to cut taxes for five consecutive years, removed blight and dangerous properties, focused on public safety and infrastructure while making significant strategic investments in our community. The Broome County Sheriff's Office is currently looking for Phelan J. Nguyen, Wagon on an outstanding warrant and asking the residents of Broome County for assistance. He was last known to frequent the Oak Hill Avenue area of the village of Endicott. Anyone with information on his location is asked to contact the Broome County Sheriff's Office. Tips may be submitted electronically using the Broome County Sheriff's Office website or by phone by calling the Broome County Sheriff's Office tip line at 607-778-1196 or Warrants Division at 607-778-2923 or 607-778-2923. 
3-3. New York Attorney General Letitia James is suing the former CEO of the failed cryptocurrency lending platform Celsius Network, saying he misled investors. The lawsuit filed Thursday seeks to ban Alex Mashinsky from doing business in the state. James says Mashinsky, a co-founder of Celsius, encouraged investors to put billions of dollars worth of their digital assets in his platform. The lawsuit alleges Mashinsky promised hefty returns and said Celsius was as safe as a bank, but meanwhile was engaging in risky investments and not telling investors when those investments failed. Celsius filed for bankruptcy last year after halting its operations in June. The contours of a deal that could make Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, have begun to emerge. The House returns today to try again to end the stalemate over choosing a new Speaker after days of voting with no conclusion. But glimmers of a deal started to take shape. Party leader Kevin McCarthy is determined to win over enough fellow Republicans. He has offered the conservative holdouts rule changes to give them more power to shape legislation and to boot him from office. But it's still just round one, one of the holdouts said. So far, 11 roll call votes have failed to elect a Speaker. The impasse has left the House unable to fully form and govern. Members voted to adjourn, returning today. The Buffalo Bills have received a much-needed jolt of good news. Coach Sean McDermott and his team found out yesterday that safety DeMar Hamlin has made remarkable progress in his recovery since his heart stopped during Monday night's game. In three days since, the Bills were left emotionally devastated as they watched their teammate collapse on the field in Cincinnati. The team's motto has gone from pray for DeMar to play for DeMar. The test for the Bills now is focusing their attention on returning to the field. They host New England Patriots in their season finale on Sunday. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a chance of showers, mainly after 10 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 41 degrees, 50% chance of rain. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 31. Tomorrow, cloudy with a high near 37. Tomorrow night, a chance of flurries between 8 p.m. and 2 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 24 degrees. And Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 37. Sunday night, chance of snow showers after 2 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 27 degrees. Chance of snow, 30%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and and 92.1 FM. They don't write them like that anymore, but they ought to. Bob Joseph with you on Friday. Friday's here, so I'll grab myself a moxie. See what I did there? Okay, but I won't. I promise not to have a moxie till 5 p.m. Wait a second. Wait a second. It's happy hour in France. 607-772-1290 is the number if you are interested in participating in this endeavor. On the other hand, if you're lazy today and don't really <laughs> don't really want to talk, well, 
you can do that. I'll, I can handle the talking on this end of the program if, if that's what you prefer. So let's see what else is going on here in America's Parlor City. Let's see, WNBF.com. Hmm. Will hitting a deer in New York raise car insurance? I see that story. Uh, I didn't read the story yet. You can read the story at WNBF.com. Will hitting a deer in New York raise car insurance? Personally, my guess is if you file a claim, it'll probably ultimately affect your insurance rates. But it's just a guess. I don't work in the lucrative insurance industry, so I can't say for certain if you hit a deer in New York whether your car insurance rates will go up. All I know is my car insurance rates go up pretty much like clockwork every six months, and I haven't had a claim in a long, long time. So my guess is if you hit a deer or even if you don't hit a deer, your car insurance rates will go up. Why? Same reason that your cable rates go up. Same reason that your newspaper costs more. Because of Joe Biden. Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. It's Gary from the West Side. Hello. Good morning. Hey, I I saw something on TV the other day, and I didn't catch the whole story, so I'm not sure. But it was talking about a twin-tier resident that's on TV. I think he's like tough jobs or something, and the guy might be from Elmira. Did you see that by any chance? No. Tough jobs. Okay. Tough yeah, jobs. You know, that's a show? Yeah, I think so. With Mike Rowe, maybe. I don't I don't even know. But I did want to talk about there. there's a, another twin-tier resident who is actually on an HBO show. Did you ever hear of The Anarchists on HBO, Bob? No. Okay. Is it good? Well, is it good? It's a it's it's yeah, I would give it yeah, fair fair to semi good. It's it's about people who go down to uh Mexico to start a life so that they don't have to be ruled by governments or banks. And so thus they're called the anarchists. And Way back in the day, HBO heard about this, and they sent the film crew down to document all of this stuff. So there's a thing that goes on every year, uh, Anarchapulco, because it's down in Alcapulco, Mexico. But there was a, a gentleman from the from Great Bend, Pennsylvania, that is one of the star people uh, on there. His name is Paul Propert. Uh, he's known he sounds Paul like Pro. he might be one of our callers. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, he might go by a different name. He might go by a different name on this program, but it seems to me like he could be no. a resident oh, of Sus. I'm, by the way, I'm kidding. I'm just saying, wouldn't it be funny if a guy from Susquehanna County who routinely called the show is now starring on the hit HBO docuseries, The Anarchists? Wouldn't that be right. funny? It's, it's like a six-part series. Yeah, I mean, there are, like... Some of the, his ideas may coincide with people who do call into this show, you know, anti-government and uh, let's get rid of the banks type. Thing. I was going to say, I think I know some of those callers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking 
And thank you for calling this to my attention because apparently mm-hmm. it's been on since September. But I, I will acknowledge I I do not currently subscribe to the HBO channel. So that's one oh, reason okay. I haven't seen it. I I will confess for reasons that are unclear. I still subscribe to the Showtime channel. And the odd thing oh, is, yeah. the only reason <laughs> I ever too, I don't know why. The only reason I ever subscribed to the Showtime channel was a few Shameless? years ago when what? Shameless? The show of Saint Shameless? No. Robert Twin Mason, Peaks. Yeah. When when Twin Peaks the um oh. The, okay. the return of Twin Peaks a few years ago, the only way I would be able to get my Twin Peaks fix after a quarter century would be to pay a um, delightful monthly fee for Showtime. So I, I called the cable guy, and I said, sign me up for Showtime. And my intention was just to keep Showtime on my cable box for whatever, four months or however long that the Twin Peaks episodes were on, and then I was going to call up the cable boy again and say, okay, you can turn me off now. And I didn't bother because you know how things are, and this is true whether you subscribe to a special channel on cable or you subscribe to a newspaper or whatever. Once you subscribe, better forget about ever trying to shut it down because it's so easy to subscribe. They can... They can sign you up for a monthly fee, and it, and that can be handled in 30 seconds or less. And then if you ever get sick and tired of paying that monthly fee and you want to end your subscription, good luck. You know, you need to take at least the afternoon off or maybe a couple of days off from work because they don't make it easy. They have apps that will do it for you, Bob, now. You know, I, I don't want. I don't want. But older. I don't want an app. I want to be able to go. Say, if PressConnects dot com. This is and this is a hypothetical. I am not saying that this weekend I plan to discontinue my print subscription to Press Connects or Press and Sun Bulletin after subscribing to the newspaper for all of my adult life. I'm not saying that, but say, hypothetically, if I wanted to end my print subscription and save myself several hundred dollars a year. If this weekend I wanted to get my newspaper shut off, the print edition, I don't know if I don't know if I can do it. It used to be you couldn't do it on their website. It used to be the only way if you wanted to end your print subscription or reduce service, I think, you had to call and then you would be greeted by a kid in Bangalore reading stuff on a computer screen. And it's a customer retention program, so you say, you start to call off. And this could be true of a newspaper or cable or anything else that you have made had the misfortune of subscribing to. You start to call off right at the outset and say, I'm calling to discontinue my subscription to cable or to the newspaper or whatever. Now, that should be simple. They say, you know, okay, name, customer number, whatever, okay. Are you sure that you want to discontinue your subscription? And then you say, yes, that's what I said. Discontinue it now. And, you know, that should be the end of it. But it never is. It never is because then, well, you know, can I interest you in um, like three months instead of paying hundreds of dollars for the next three months? Can I interest you in three months at a deep discount? 
because that's what they do, and that's you know whether it's newspaper or cable or whatever. So, you know, as I said, that 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 helps to explain why years later I still have lost a lot of money on Showtime because I made the mistake of signing up when David Lynch's Twin Peaks returned with whatever it was, twelve episodes. And here, well, here I am. Well, make a point to cancel it this year, Bob. But getting back to the to the HBO show. Oh I mean, yeah, oh yeah, guy, the Anarchist. Paul that's that's yeah, what Paul Propert. Yeah. He's from Great Band, and uh, he, uh, it, it's it's a sad story. But you know, they document uh, what goes on down there and what happened down there. And uh, I don't want to ruin it for anybody that's going to watch it. But it's kind of a sad story. This poor guy. He was a uh, he was a veteran. You know, he went over and fought in the war for us, and he came back with uh, PTSD, as uh, so many people do, because, you know, back in the day, they used to only send you over for uh, one tour, but, you know, back in Afghanistan, which, by the way, I do want to say, I don't care what happened about how they got out of there, and you can criticize the president for all you want, but let me ask anybody out there this. How many of our servicemen have died in Afghanistan since we pulled out? And the answer is zero. And to me, that's the most important number. No more servicemen were killed in Afghanistan when President Biden had the, I can't say the word, to uh, get our troops out of there, where no other presidents in the past did. All right. But I, I just want to say that I feel strongly about that. And, you know, this guy went over and fought for us. And uh, yeah, he might have, you know, what happens is, Bob, is that when you are in a situation like that, you tend to use drugs to uh, put down, you know, feelings and, and the thoughts and the horrible things that you probably witnessed and did, you know, so. Uh, that was involved, but without getting into too many details, too, if you want to catch the show, it's from somebody from the Great Bend area, and uh, it doesn't end uh, doesn't end uh, well. But yeah, I it, I I see now how it ended, and I, I'm sad. I, I'm very really, yeah, and I, very I, sad. I yeah. Very so he was uh, he was born September 1982, Blue Ridge High School yeah. graduate, right. enrolled yeah. in the military. He uh, found himself on tours in Iraq as well as Afghanistan, following which he was never the same. And I won't say anything else, but thank you for right. calling that to my attention. Again, I lead a sheltered yeah. life. I admit, I admit, over the last decade, I have watched very little on TV. I will say this about um, Showtime, in its defense, not that Showtime needs defense from me, they have had a couple of other series that I actually have liked since Twin Peaks, including something called City on a Hill. Did you ever watch that? Never watched that, no. Do you have Showtime? You know what, Bob? I am in the same situation you have. I had it for, yeah. I used to watch Seamless. I have it. I didn't get rid of it. Yes, I still have it. So it's City on a Hill. Huh? Yeah. I can check that out. Check man. it out. I I don't know how... If if it's still available at all for streaming, I'm just looking now. Uh, it turns it's not out about Baltimore cops, is it? N- no, but it has. It's okay. something like that. It's a crime drama situated in Boston in the 19. 19- oh, Boston, that's on a hill. Oh yes, that's hence the, <laughs> the the name city on a hill, and and it's a. I thought it was a remarkable series. I just found out now, looking online, that it's now 
officially canceled. I was hoping that it would be around for a fourth season, but they um, Showtime canceled it after three seasons. I will say, even if you can't watch the first episodes, I mean, ideally, if you find a streaming service that has City on a Hill and you can see it from the beginning, which I, I think for some of these programs is... Um, is absolutely necessary so you have a full appreciation for all the characters because there are a lot of characters, a lot of very okay. intriguing, intriguing characters, including intriguing uh, an, an FBI special agent and, and some of the people in the Boston Police Department and people in the DA's office and a Catholic priest. What you see in all the characters, and, and what a... What a great group of people. Kevin Bacon was uh, one of the more well-known members of the cast. Jill Hennessy, several others. Good actor, Kevin. Great, great actors, great casting. And even for all their flaws, every character, I think, that was portrayed in City on a Hill had flaws. Therefore, every character was like every real human. They had um, actual flaws, and and some had big problems. I mean, some were had a propensity for violence. Some had a propensity for never telling the truth. So I, I could see, for example, I could see Kevin Bacon with the character he portrayed in City on a, ha- a Hill. He certainly you know could have been elected to Congress last November. Um, so it isn't. If you have a chance to see it, try to to um, view it from the first season, and I think. Ultimately, according to Wikipedia, they had a total of 26 episodes. I I do recommend it. There were a few other uh, Showtime series over the last few years that um, you never saw Shameless with Robert Macy. Shameless. It's about a dysfunctional family. He's an alcoholic, and all the kids. Yes. Well, I saw. I saw. I think one episode. I think the problem was. At the time I discovered it, I I don't believe that they had all the original episodes. And I, I have a when it comes to TV shows, plus they're sitcoms. A sitcom is pretty much self-contained. But if you're dealing with uh, a dramatic series and you don't get in on the ground floor, if you don't see the pilot episode, you always have a sense that you've missed a lot. And and so I think. I think when I, I first discovered Shameless, I don't think the first season was, was available. So. All right. But, hey, I got to go. Okay. But, uh, check that out, and uh, thank you. I will watch that City on a Hill. Thanks. 1126, Bob Joseph offering my TV picks. I'm a regular Jean Grey in the 21st century. 607-772-1290. You're listening to News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app.
Seriously, your nose. What about your nose? Mark him down as non-responsive. I just wanted to know about his nose. I don't care about his toes. I think America is more concerned in 2023 about its collective nose. Ron in Binghamton has returned with special permission from the commissioner of the National Football League. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me back. Again, normally we don't do this, but earlier you called in the first hour, and as typically happens with with our conversations, we got we quickly got derailed onto some other trivial topic far, far from your original intended topic. Yes, I feel like I've, you know, allowing me back on is, I have a feeling like I just got a papal dispensation. And we're doing that as we continue our period of mourning. Continue with your topic. Well, and I don't I don't want to beat uh, the topic to death, pun intended, but I called earlier about uh, human composting. And, uh, you know, when you get up in age, you know, when I'm up in age, you you got to make the arrangements, you know, how, what, what are they going to do with you when you, you know, you've uh, had your last breath, you know. So, you know, it was interesting because uh, I was in the midst of uh, making such arrangements. And then I see this thing. New York State is the sixth state that is now allowing human composting. So when when you die, uh, you can uh, be composted and turned into what they call organic reduction, and you can become a tree. Uh, Compost me, I want to be a tree. Now, it's interesting to me, that sounds like a, you know, fine thing to do. It does cost more than just being cremated. You just want to be cremated. How much, wait, yeah, tell me, okay, so if I want them just to cremate my remains at their fabulous cremation center in the first ward, how much might that cost me? Uh, let's round it off to about a thousand, twelve hundred dollars. It depends if you want people then to come and view your ashes. They, you know, they provide other services, but you know, just the cremation. Let's call it a thousand. You know, now, I'm you, telling you, the high price of dying really burns me up. Ah, pun intended. Hey, it costs you to be composted. However, uh, it costs. It's going to cost you between five thousand and six thousand dollars right now to be turned in, into mulch. Uh, but, you know, you're you're helping the environment. You're not going to be uh, buried and take up land. You're not going to have a bigger carbon footprint. And, you know, you're going to become a garden. Now, what's interesting about this to me is Kathy Hochul had a dilemma. She, uh, uh, by her own, you know, admission on this issue, she said she's a proud Irish American and has often spoken about her Catholic roots and how it influences her her political outlook. Now, the New York State Catholic Conference has encouraged her to veto the bill allowing for composting. Uh, They say that it's not appropriate uh, to and it's disrespectful to bodily remains. 
So uh, they say, quote, a process that is perfectly appropriate for returning vegetable trimmings to the earth is not necessarily appropriate for human bodies. And that's from Dennis Proust, executive director of the uh, Catholic New York State Conference. Now, uh, uh, what kind of gets me here a little bit is, uh, so the Catholic Church, uh, I don't know how far this goes up the chain of command, uh, is going to rule and say, no, uh, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't uh, treat your body. The body should be not treated in this way. And are people, particularly Catholics, going to fall into line if they think it's a good idea to return to the earth in a more simple way? Uh, Kathy Hochul signed the bill. She said, it's okay. You can be, you can be turned into um, human, uh, human compost and then return to the earth. So I'm wondering what your viewers might think of that. Uh, probably most people think, well, I'm going to be buried or I'm going to be cremated. But here's a third choice. And, you know, with your show, Bob, you're always bringing people new choices, new alternatives. So. Now, I wanted to get that out there and think about what uh, good Catholics think of that method. So what place can I go to in Binghamton? I want to make my arrangements this afternoon. Who is currently offering that? Because I want to sign up. Well, I'm. did I tell you I'm starting a new business? Sign me up. I'll be your first customer. I'll be your first client. Are, do you have, like... Um, could you have like a, a multi discount? So if, if me and four other people sign up at the same time, will you give us a group discount? We can do that, but right now you all have to die at the same time. Oh, that can be arranged. Whoa, <laughs> can't say wow. that. That's oh, you can't put the that on the you're air. Saying this morning, the things you're saying. Who is instigating you to say such things? I know that's terrible. That is, that's that really is terrible, and, and certainly, certainly, I regret it. <laughs> but you know, you know what what happens anyway in this day and age. Even if you apologize, makes no difference. So I may re- regret having said that on li- live radio. Although I don't, I think people knew it was tongue in cheek because it was just in response to your imaginary business. Although. I'll find out, you know, that you actually filed incorporation papers at the county clerk's office this afternoon. And it's like, oh, I thought he was making it up. And it turns out, no, Ron's advertising, you know. I, I even have a couple of appropriate names for your fledgling business, but I, I won't use them on the air because I'm all out of apologies for today. Yes. Well, <laughs> but a, a lot of names already come to mind, some classier than others. Well, email them to me. They'll be up. <laughs> Who knows? We might wind up being partners. This could be Binghamton's. You know, when the mayor, he always honors, like, somebody for, like, the small business person of the year or some, I can't remember what they call it, but maybe maybe if we, we partner up on this, we'll, we'll get nominated for new business of the year by uh, City Hall. Yeah. Hey, Bob, one other thing. I know you drive through town and around the area a lot for news stories. If you're behind a car with a bumper sticker says, compost me, I want to be a tree, that's me. We'll have coffee. (laughs) All right.
Oh, my gosh. This is quite the program. Now that I think about it, notice I didn't say it's a very good program, but it is quite the program. This is the type of program that Marconi was looking for when he had his big radio invention breakthrough. Carol in Johnson City, good morning. Bill, good morning. I just love listening to that Ron, I'm telling you. Uh, he's very entertaining. <laughs> anyway, well, by uh, the way, again, just to be clear, I apologize for anything I said during that call. I am, of course, <laughs> very sorry. Oh, I, well, I didn't hear your program all morning except when I first called, you know, because I went to Mass and then I went for breakfast at the Village Diner and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, talking about... Uh, that program on, uh, was it Showtime, you said? Uh, what, what was it called? Anyway, it doesn't make any difference because I don't have Showtime. But when you started talking about it's a police show in Boston, I immediately thought about Kevin Bacon because he was in a movie called Mystic River. You could look it up while we're talking and tell me what year that was. And he and it was in Boston, and he played a detective. And uh, Sean Penn was in it, and this other fella, I can't think of his name. He played a pitcher in a movie with uh, Kevin Costner, and then he was Susan's, in real life, he was Susan Sarandon's boyfriend. And for the life of me, I can't think of his name. But anyway. Oh, movie, anyway, uh, by the way, before I, yeah. before I forget, the movie was released in 2003. And it was well, direct. That movie, go ahead, I just have to say this one thing. Seeing that movie in the end was very puzzling. And uh, Kevin Bacon was the lead detective, and I thought, are you kidding me? So, Because I stay for the credits. I stay for the credits. Everybody's gone, and I'm still sitting there watching the credits. And it said it was a book, and I said, I'm going to get that book from the library and read it. And I have to say, that movie and that book got me going to the library again. So that was 2003? Yep. Oh, interesting. So yep. anyway, he it, and, and the novel was by somebody named Dennis Lehane. Well, that was a great movie. Uh, and the, the, like I say, the ending was, what? Who was really the murderer? What? Huh. You know, it was, well, it was, that's a movie. I don't recall the book seeing was great, this. By the way, the, the book was great, by the way. Yeah. No, I don't recall seeing the movie. Uh, but now that I read about it online and what you mentioned about it, now I want to see it. Do you know who the director was? Was it a Polish name? No, but it's a no. name. It's a name you would recognize. He ultimately was a. He, he's been a well-known actor and director, and also oh. at one time he was the mayor of a small town in California. There's a clue. Oh, oh! I, I, I first I thought of Spielberg because he's you know into a lot of things, but uh, I have I can't think of who the heck that is. Clint Eastwood. Oh my goodness! Yes, he does really good selection uh, of stories uh, his his movies that he either stars in or directs or whatever are all great movies anyway so is it i thought perhaps you were going to say that movie if you read the little thumbnail sketch about it on the internet if it's anything at all similar to that a uh, program that you were talking about and and uh, i also there's a beacon is beacon hill in boston is that such a place mm, as beacon hill i believe it is reason? Yes, it is. Well, that, that's the first thing I, I also thought of. You said City on a Hill. Yeah. I immediately thought of Boston, and then I thought of uh, Kevin Bacon. Because Do you like Boston? Thing. Do you like Boston? I was, I was there once or twice. 
I guess if, if, if somebody, you know, were a tour guide and took me around to all the I did go to some historical church when I was there. Yeah, Be- uh, Beacon Hill. Beacon Hill is a historic neighborhood in Boston, and the hill upon which the Massachusetts State House resides. So that I think that's why they call the TV series "City on a Hill" because Boston actually was founded on a hill. So um, my favorite memory, and by the way, I love Boston. I haven't been there in a while, but my favorite memory of Boston, well, one of my favorite memories. There was a time when. The company that owned the WNBF radio station, their global headquarters was in Boston. Oh. And it was called American Radio Systems, and we loved it. So um, I think there were three of us, John Leslie, Roger Neal, and I. We went to Boston to check out the global headquarters because they had just moved into a fine, fine, expensive uh, building in Boston, and we were treated like um, like royalty by the people that uh, had bought WNBF, and it was fascinating to see their setup, corporate headquarters, and at the time they had four radio stations operating out of the same complex in Boston. But my favorite thing, and I can say this now because we're no longer owned by that company. But the guy who was, I think he was a vice president of the company, he was driving us around like a maniac in a snowstorm in Boston. I don't remember what month it was. It may have been February or March, but there was heavy wet snow going on. And so he was driving around like a maniac on some of the narrow one-way streets in Boston, and then he wound up crashing. Well, I mean, we were all okay. It was like a minor fender bender, but still... You know, he was driving a beautiful, beautiful new, one of those tricked-out Jeep Grand Cherokees, very nice at the time. And I mean, probably feeling immortal, you know. With well, the, he was. With the and Jeep and, and, and he, I've seen people like that driving around here in the snow. They think they've got one of those <laughs> four-wheelers. $80,000 or $100,000 SUVs and they think they can drive around at 119 miles an hour where mere mortals have to pay attention to the speed regulations and they think they're invincible. But anyway, I mean, it it was funny only because, again, minimal damage and but it was just kind of and nobody was hurt. But and we all got a good chuckle out of it. And I'm sure he didn't really care. Probably it was well, this, like the highlight of his week anyway. Well, the next subject about Boston you will like. So my daughter and I went on an eastern travel bus trip to Boston because when we got to our destination, wherever they dropped us off, we hailed a cab, and where do you think we went right off the bat? Fenway. We went to Fenway. I was so excited to see the green wall, the green monster, I should say, and uh, I bought a Bosox hat in a, in a shop out, outside the ballpark, and we saw the red seat that was like... Uh, not synonymous, but uh, had to do with Ted Williams. I guess he hit a ball there or right. hit somebody in that seat. And uh, so I was a big Bosox fan. I, I really hey, was. me too. So, I've, I, I, I have. You say that. Yeah, I, 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 I forgot to mention anything about Fenway when I was talking about Boston, but I, I have some really nice pictures of me at Fenway before a Red Sox game and, and uh, with the, the green monster, you know, standing. With uh, that, 
in the lower part of the picture and then a few other fine photos. That's the first place. It was outside Fenway. That was the first time where I had a Cuban sandwich. You know the sandwich that Mark Cuban invented? The, well, I don't know about that, but you can get a Cuban sandwich at Bingham's Restaurant on 81. And you can get some good pies there. Oh, I think you can get a Cuban sandwich also at the uh, Floral Avenue. Uh, diner. That's not diner. The Floral Avenue Diner, I guess, is what you call it. But what year was that that you were that you were there? Because I have a, a question. Do you remember Wade Boggs when he, he was on that team when they... Uh, I think they won the World Series. No, well, I can't remember for sure. But do you remember Wade Boggs at all? Uh, yeah, I do. He, he had like a, a mustache. Well, he was on the Phil Donahue show once, so that's going back a ways. And he was talking about cheating on his wife and all this stuff. He was very arrogant. And I, uh, from that day forward, I could not stand the Boston Red Sox just because he played for them. I didn't like him. As soon as he left and went somewhere else, I became, like, a big fan of the Bosax. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, thanks for the uh, memories there. I have to put on my list. I, I need to get to Fenway. I need to get to Fenway this coming season. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your name? Good morning. Uh, Bob, this is DJ from Binghamton. Make hey. No, no, not me. The other people are. What's up? How's it going? Good. <clears throat> yeah. Well, let's talk about the main three ingredients in composting. They're uh, alfalfa and other compost and wood chips. It's way less expensive than the other two methods, cremation and burial, because you can go down, and I'm not joking around when I tell you this, the J&K sheet metal on Charlotte Street can make you a box under 100. It has to fit your body. You can keep it in the shed. You can keep it wherever until it decomposes in 30 days. The problem is, with believers... You want to preserve the bones, right? Because preserving the bones is the most important thing. You want to preserve the bones. Ezekiel 38 says, can these bones live? Surely you know. Remember that? And then he raised them up and they were warriors. So I don't know where people are getting their information, but I'd love to talk about this more. All right. Uh, Well, I'm sure there are other programs where they would talk about that more. You will. (laughs) Well... I I won't. I mean, I, I allow calls to talk about. It. I, no, I, heard I don't. You, I, heard I don't have. I don't have anything to to say. I mean, what what would I have to add? I don't know anything well, you, about this. In your words, you punched it in. Oh, earlier, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah I did punch. Yeah, yeah, you did punch it in. I'm getting punchy. Listening. You know, I've I'm I've been listener. working these. Hey, DJ, these four day work <laughs> weeks are killing me. You know, I, I want to. I'm. I'm going to. You tra- get something better than Red Eye Radio. <laughs> I'm gonna. Tell you I'm you gonna. On vacation. I know. I don't. I don't want to have to turn over to Bob Cordero. He, he's a uh, the commissioner of Wilkesboro, but he's got a good show. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I appreciate. Yeah. I, I'm gonna still check to see if I can, at least during February, work a three day week. That sounds sounds more my speed. Well, the main point to consider when you're YouTubing or whatever, Googling and considering prices and all that, is preserve the bones, which I still stick with. uh, (laughs) All right. Well, who would have thought when we started the program nearly three hours ago that the phrase preserve the bones would be the main takeaway? I didn't see that coming. 1151, this is Bob Joseph presiding over the most magical radio program in America. On News Radio WNBF. News 
WNBF with Bob Joseph at 1154. Linda in Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Uh, good morning. I just wanted to comment about the composting. I guess that's the topic, one of the topics for today. Um, if everyone remembers, the Catholic Church would not recognize cremation for a long time. And then now they allow cremation. And if they don't allow this natural burial, I really don't understand that because uh, Ash Wednesday, what do they say when they give you ashes? From dust you were born, from dust you shall return. So I didn't understand the previous caller's comments about the bones. And I know right. I know this isn't related. Uh, are they, um, they have a Catholic priests now that who are women? Has is, is that uh, happened yet? Oh, I don't yet? know about that. No, I'm asking. Have, have they started that yet or... I don't think so. I didn't think so either, but I thought I thought because sometimes things change. I know somebody told me once there'll never be women who are Catholic priests, and then I said, "Well, maybe not in our lifetime, but I I predicted that someday that they might change their policy, but not necessarily Definitely. soon." I I just didn't you know they don't they don't send me all their memos, so I I wasn't sure if that policy had, might have changed. <laughs> No, I, I really don't know about that, but something I will check it out. Also about um, burial at a certain Catholic cemetery, it's very, very expensive, and they change uh, they change their rules or their requirements all the time, and it costs more money. For instance, to bury someone in an urn, okay, an urn that you buy, a sealed urn from a funeral home, you have to buy one of their boxes and seal that urn in a box. And that costs you like $600 just for the box. Hmm. I'll have to look I, into that. I, I don't know that much about how these things operate, but I yeah. I, I think over the weekend I'll I'll look into all this stuff. I appreciate your call. Deal, but it's just so, so expensive. You right. have a good day, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Linda. Yeah, a lot to think about. It's going to be a fun weekend at Shea Joseph. Bob Joseph with you on WNBF. I think we all have learned something today. I'm Bob Joseph. This program has been a very special presentation of News Radio WNBF. Hope you enjoyed what you've heard. We'll be making more of this on Monday. In the meantime, I'm Bob Joseph. If you need me, I'll be in the garden listening to News Radio. WNBF, Binghamton.